The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Well, today's message isn't really a message. What I want to share with you is basically highlights of the last few weeks that Pastor Jonathan has been sharing with us on pressing into God, going forward and leaving things behind. And this whole image of the tabernacle, the tabernacle being an image of us approaching God and pressing in to know Him. Well, if you've been with us for these last couple weeks, one of the challenging things Pastor Jonathan has said is that our lack of prayer is essentially a declaration of our confidence in our own ability. Ouch. When I heard him say that, I thought, ooh, that Adam Clark who lived 100 years ago touched on something. He's the one who said that quote, that our lack of prayer is a declaration essentially of our confidence in our ability and not turning to him. And even as I looked at the pictures that Pastor Jonathan put up on the screen of the tabernacle, and if you could put that up now, you see that the people of Israel had to come to this three times a year. And when it was built as a temple, it had the same structures, but they had to go here regularly. And they had to decide, am I going to go? Am I going to be part of this? Am I going to seek God? Or am I going to be busy? Or am I going to apathy kind of rule the day? Now, we'll get back to this in a moment. I can literally see myself standing before this tent, this opening threshold. And like, will I go in today? Will I approach God today? Or will I just get busy? Will I say that this is my life and that my resources are found within this this, tent? quad, if you will, if this triangular space or rectangular space is what I need in here. And sadly, I have to say, sometimes I get swept away in the busyness. I say, okay, I'll take care of that later, or I'll do something else, or, or maybe I'll just read a couple verses or something. And I don't go into this space. And we must, as a people, decide that we want to go in to the presence of God, because we can stay outside of it. We can. We can live outside of it, not in the fullness of what God has for us. But there's a calling voice in the, in the Gospels that Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest because my burden is light. And that's what God has for you. If you've been staying away from the presence of God, I guarantee you, even if you've had successes and you've got good things that have happened, there's a weariness about it. Will I be able to make it through next time? Will I survive next time? Will that conflict in my family rise up again? Will my job be threatened again? Will I make it through again? We need to be near God. And interestingly, God set up the tabernacle to be right in the middle of all the tribes of Israel. There were three tribes on either side, and right in the middle of that cross was the tabernacle. A declaration 
that life is supposed to be spent with him, that he is the center of life. And I love just a picture that God created in his foreknowledge to let us know that he wants to be the center of things. He wants to be there for us. But we and I have to decide to go in. Now, the New Testament clearly calls us God's priesthood. He says in the scriptures, in Peter 2.9, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, God's special possession. Actually, I missed a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. And then he reiterates it in Revelations. Right in the beginning of Revelations, he says to him, and this is Jesus, who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. We as believers have the right to come in to the presence of God. We have the right to do it. And as Pastor Jonathan said, Jonathan said, it's a journey in. And the objects into the tabernacle have really spoken to my heart in a new way, even as he's been presenting it. And it's, it's powerful and beautiful to me because it speaks of God, even what I see in the New Testament. If you will, pull up that one slide with the layout of the tabernacle. You just saw the picture, but here's the, the tabernacle before you. You'll see the entrance off to the side where the threshold is. And then right as you enter in to this holy place, there is the altar, the bronze altar where the sacrifices were made for sin, the peace offerings, offerings the thanksgiving offerings, all kinds of offerings were offered there right at the entrance. And just after that, there is the, the bronze laver or the wash basin the place where they would wash their hands and wash their feet as well before they went into the most holy place. There are three main objects I want to draw your attention to, and I've mentioned the first two. One is the altarpiece, and it speaks to us even as we enter in that there was a sacrifice that was made for us to come before our God, that this holy honor of approaching the very presence of God Almighty, the one who made the stars, the one who knit us together, that called us by name and knows us in this day and time and made us in this day and time. He knew us. The one who called us laid down his life for us so that we could come before the Father. Then right after that, there's the laver, which I mentioned, the second main object in this area, this outer court. Speaks of, even as I go into prayer, of the need to wash of myself of some of the attitudes and ways of the world and thinking and fears and doubts and even the self-reliance that comes from being outside in the world. But the biggest and the most important part of the outer court, the largest part that we can often overlook, is that there, standing before every person who enters into that outer court, is the holy place. It's bigger, it's taller, it's brighter colored than everything else. Your attention had to be drawn to it. And it has spoken to me that every time I pray, my heart should be towards God. And I can pray without a heart towards God. I think you can too. Sometimes it's really easy for preachers because we think, oh, I got to pray and I got to seek God for a message or for an idea. Sometimes we seek God for 
a relief or comfort, a relief of a worry. But there in the outer court is this holy place, this place where the presence of God would be and that we are asked to come in. That is the goal of prayer. Pastor Jonathan mentioned that it was often talked that the way past the threshold, past the altar, past the wash basin, and into the holy place is called the way. Just like Jesus declared himself to be the way. And no one comes to the Father except through him. That this way has been opened. And it's the journey we're supposed to be taking. Now this journey is not just for uh, special events or for regular rituals. But God did call all the people on three times a year, the men particularly, and they brought their families many times, to the tabernacle three times and also to the temple. So it was a ritual, whether you felt like it or not. You went because it's what you're supposed to do. It reminded your soul that God was there for you. But you didn't just go then. The tabernacle and the temple were there for you for all of life. It was for you to bring the heartaches, the joys, the pains, the disappointments, all the things that the world outside can throw at us, that we can bring and share with our God who can wash it away and help us be clear before him so that we know the purpose of our life here on earth, that we're not caught up in everything else that everybody else is caught up in, that he has purpose, he has destiny, he has real love for us, he has compassion. In the scriptures you see in 1 Samuel, a woman named Hannah comes to the temple and she brings a life issue with her, just like you and I. And at the threshold of the temple, she is weeping so much. Eli the priest comes to her and says, oh, you drunken women, what are you doing here? You know, he, he confi- he's, he's put off by her because her behavior is so desperate. And I imagine this Hannah, here she is. She can't have a child. There's others around her with kids, laughing and playing, nursing, and all the joys of parenthood. And she's unbarren. And the scriptures don't say this, but we know that she must have known the promise to Abraham. That through their offspring, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And that the the children of Abraham would be as many as the stars of the sky and as many as the sand of the sea. And here she is crying out, God, you said these things. You said that our people would be as many as the stars of the sky. You said we'd be multiply and fill the earth and bring blessing. But I can't even get one child out of my womb. Oh, God, please. And she cries out. She's bringing life issues before God. That's what we're supposed to do. This speaks to me, that this outer court, this place we begin to enter, is a place where we begin to release the things of this world and we come in contact with truth. We wash away and we lay down the hurts and the pains and we approach God because he's there for us. Always the reminder that he's there. There's another place in the scriptures. It's probably one of the most difficult psalms for some people, but I happen to love it. It's Psalm 73. Psalm 73 is written by a man who loves God, who has served God, who's been faithful, and he comes to a crisis in life. His thinking has been mired by the world, by the things around him, 
and he knows the promises of God, and he sees everything else opposite of what God has promised. And so he's in this conundrum that happens to all of us. We hear a promise, a truth. Say, God, why isn't it like this then? And he's bringing this before God. He's not keeping it away. Listen to the words of Psalm 73. This is a man bringing life's issues to the throne. Surely, verse 1, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant, and I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Stop right there. This is a man who has touched some confusion. I know people who are wealthy. They have lots of problems. They have more problems. They have to buy more alarms for their house. They have to worry more about losing everything they have. All their confidence is in their wealth. Some of them. It's not a carefree life being wealthy. But his eye is turned. God, you said you'd bless us if we're righteous and if we serve you. But right now I see the wicked prospering. I see that they have no cares. My life is in vain. Is all this worthless? Then we jump down to verse 12, and you can read this because this is a heart cry of man who's dealing with real life and real issues. This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. He's speaking this to God. Wow, he's being honest. All day long I have been afflicted. Look what's happened to me, God. Look what's happened to me. I've got all these promises. I've walked with you. I've done this. But look what's happening to me. And look what's happening to the wealthy, the rich. They have carefree. They don't serve you. Every morning brings new punishments. This guy was going through a hard time. And then he says this. As a righteous man, he says, But if I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children, God. I would have betrayed your children. Had I spoken these words out, I would have betrayed the very truths that I know are established. You bless the righteous. You are good. You want to meet with us. You have established this tabernacle with an altar and a brazen altar and your very presence before us. God, please. I don't want to betray your children. I don't want to speak out things that are false. I don't want to rely upon the things I see around me as truth when you are my truth and I want to stay connected. Verse 16, when I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. And then verse 17, this is key. Till I entered the sanctuary of God. He's entered the outer courts. He's entered this place, this meeting place where God has declared, I want to know you. I want to be with you. I don't want to be far off. Then I understood the fi their final destiny, the destiny of those who don't serve God. Then it comes down in verse 22. I love this. He, he comes to this honest place. He's finally bared his heart before God. God has answered his heart. He's met with the presence of God. His thinking is changing. And he says, you know what I was like before God? I was senseless and ignorant. I was like a brute beast before you. My goodness. Sometimes I feel like I have 
poured out my heart before God, and I feel like, oh, God, forgive me for what I've said and thought. And then last of all, verse 28, but as for me, it is good to be near my God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge, and I will tell of all your, all your deeds. So, the outer court, this place of meeting with God, of, of getting our hearts prepared and washing things out, is a place we can linger. It's a big space. The tabernacle left this outer court the biggest place. And I know in prayer, corporate prayer or private prayer, sometimes we walk around or we, or we go after something. Sometimes we're even repetitive. And sometimes I'm declaring something, not because God needs to hear it, but because my soul needs to hear it in deep places. And I begin to declare it. And I'm walking in the outer court. And I'm washing my heart. And I'm going to the laver and getting the things off me that need to be broken off me. And I'm making sacrifices of my dreams and my ambitions because I see the glory of God and what I want. So the altar's there. And I'm walking around this space. And there's, this is also where the worshipers would worship too. So I'm praising God, declaring his faithfulness, declaring his goodness, reminding my heart that he's always been there for me. You know, one time when I was uh, early into the life of prayer in this journey of seeking God, I, I had to address a fear. I thought, God, if I start praying, he's going to take all my time. I'm not going to have a life anymore. This is going to be miserable. I'm going to pray all the time. I, literally, that was a fear. And I'm sorry if that offends any of you, but it's, it was a real fear. And uh, I had to declare, first of all, that my soul, the position of my soul, will not get any better by staying away from his presence. I'm not going to go away in a corner and figure everything out and work out a plan to make everything right. My resources and our hope are found in the presence of God, in that tabernacle, if you will. I have to determine that. I have to want to go in. And then, after I get my heart settled over arguments like, oh, God, you're going to take all my time. I can't do this. There was one night that I just, okay, I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to praise you. And in the middle of my worship, I felt the Lord speak to my heart. Okay, go to bed now. And I literally was like, oh, he's going to let me go to bed? Like, like he doesn't want me to just stay up all night and just stay forever and ever and wear myself out and be miserable tomorrow? No, he cares about me. I know that sounds strange to many, many of you, but it really was. And I went to bed that night in the peace of knowing that I was supposed to. And I had the oddest blessing. When I woke up the next day and my feet touched the ground, I was still in the presence of God. It never happened before. And I literally sat there on the edge of my bed like, I haven't done anything for this. He's here with me now. The Lord Almighty is here with me. He cares about me. He sent me to bed and I'm still in the blessing of his name. It just was this beautiful moment. Like he cares. Um, we're far behind here. I'm sorry. Um, let me just jump in quickly to intercession particularly because Jonathan has mentioned a lot about intercession. And after we spend time in the outer court, we go into the Holy of Holies. We go into the place where the veil has been rent and the presence of God is there. And he begins to touch our hearts and speak to us. He begins to do things that nobody else could do. He gives us a grace to surrender things we could never surrender on our own. He gives us new hope, new vision, just like the man in Psalm 73. Hope is restored, not intellectual ideas, but God comes and he undoes the harm of the enemy. The beauty here is 
that Jesus himself declares that he is standing in that position. If you want to know in this day and age where Jesus is, he's in your heart, he's near you, but the scriptures declare that he is standing before the Father, interceding for you. He's there praying for you. He's there lifting you up and coming on your behalf. Now, this is beautiful because you can see it in Romans 8, Romans 8 and Hebrews 7. But this idea that God is for us, this is one way that he's demonstrating his for us. That when we go into the Holy of Holies, it's like we're grabbing hold of Jesus' hand and we're joining him in his work to intercede for others. We're not just doing it on our own. We're joining the great high priest who is Jesus. And we're saying, Jesus, lead me in my prayers. I don't know how to. And you know, over the years, I've got to meet Jesus before the altar. I've got to understand his heart a little better. As Pastor Jonathan said, it's every believer's right to hear the heart of God and know what's on him and to be in his presence. It is. It's for you. I'm over time. Here we go. But I want to just share with you one way that he corrects our heart in prayer. If God is for us, it's like he's cheering for us. And when I was a wrestler in, in high school in the U.S., I was about probably 15 years old. I was wrestling, and my parents were at the match, and I got lifted up and thrown right in the middle of the mat, and I got thrown back, my head just like tossed back, and I had this flash moment where I saw my parents up in the bleachers. My mother literally was peeking through her fingers, like mothers do, like, that's my boy. You know, she was totally compassionate. She was there for me. Oh, no, he's hurt. That bully, you know, she probably wanted to harm that other kid, but she's there, oh no, I don't, I can't. And my father was there, up on his feet, get him back, get him back, stand up, get him back. And you know, over the years I've realized, this is God for us. This, both are a picture of the compassion of God. He cares for us, he, he, he doesn't want us to get hurt, but he's also there to rise back up. And that's how Jesus is there for you. And when we go and pray for people, when we're joining Jesus before the altar, before the holy presence, we want to have the same heart for other people. Not, oh, this person's miserable again, or this is bad. No, God, help them rise back up. Send forth your Holy Spirit. Revive their heart with a word that you've planted within them. Jesus, you are for them and not against them. Let them see greater things. Let them excel in your purposes, God. Let them rise up and see the glory of your name in this generation. Amen? That's joining Jesus in intercession. And if our hearts are a little bit off, sometimes he says, hey, 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 adjust your heart. That's not how I'm praying for them. I have a heart for them, and they're going to succeed because I'm praying for them. Today, Jesus is praying for you, and he wants you to join him. It might take time. Give yourself time in that outer court. Let your praise be given to him. Raise up your concerns. Raise up the issues of life. Lay down your disappointments. Lay down the hurt. Lay down the confusion and determine that this God has made the holy place big and bright so that you don't forget that he wants to be with you. God bless you. You can lay out anything that's on your heart. Just speak to the Lord. He wants to hear what is going on inside because he wants you. He wants to know you. God bless you and have a wonderful Valentine's Day. 
Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.